Welcome to the Of Course You Did podcast, your go-to source for brain-based mindset tools and highly effective business strategies that will help you create a truly aligned business. I'm your host, Brooke Alexander. I started out having no idea how to coach people or how to build a successful business to building an internationally accredited coach training and certification program, The Created Coach Method the most interactive, high-touch online NLP and coach training experience. Each week, we're going to dive into the concepts, skills, and methods that will help you increase your impact, profits, and authority. Want to learn how you can become a standout coach? Join my free training, which walks you through the exact things you need to focus on to become the go-to coach at createdmindacademy.com slash standoutcoach. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode, and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of my latest episodes. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Of Course You Did podcast. I have another amazing interview for you today with Kaylee Meyer. Kaylee Meyer is a copywriter, and I love reading her stuff. One of the things that I love most about Kaylee is that her personality comes completely through, even in her her Instagram captions. When I see other people's websites that she's written the copy for, it's always done so well. She just has such a good way of painting a really vivid image of hearing of saying everything that I want to hear when I'm looking at people's offers. She is really knowledgeable in copy, in writing web copy. And so that is what we talked about in this episode. We talked about her background, how she got into it, how to inject your personality into your copy, some tips for sales pages, some things not to do, like some things that would get her to to X out of a tab when she comes to a sales page. So really great tips in here. If you are someone who likes to write their own copy or you're learning how to write your own copy, I'm the kind of person who, and I said this in the interview, I like to learn how to do things before I get other people to do them. That's not how everyone does things, but that's just how my like mechanical problem solving brain works. I like to figure things out to the best of my ability before I can before I get someone else to do them. And so that's what I'm doing with copy. So we did also talk about her templates in the episode. She has copy templates, which I personally use myself, um, purchased, not an ad, just really love them. So uh, I'm going to stop rambling now and let you get into the episode and all of the links will be in the show notes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. We have a guest here with us today. Thank you so much, Kaylee, for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Can you let everyone know who you are and what you do? Yes, of course. So I'm Kaylee Meyer. I am the founder and creative director at Reveal Studio Co. We are a copywriting agency. We work primarily with female-owned and operated uh, brands, mostly in the online space. So a lot of service providers, some shop owners, things of that nature. And we do their web copy, sales copy. So like emails, sales pages, all of that good stuff. I love it. And you have on your, I mean, we'll get like deeper into this later, but you have on your website, a resources section where people can buy 
templates and stuff, which I will go into later, but I just want to say upfront that I have some of them and I really, really like them. So um, for everyone listening, just keep listening because you're going to get some good stuff and then we'll tell you more about the templates later. Thank you. That makes me happy. Um, okay. So I would love to know what brought you into the world of copywriting. Cause I know, I know a little bit of your history um, with university, you changed your majors and stuff like that. What like really drew you into copywriting? Yeah. So I've always been a writer literally since I was able to hold like a giant crane in my hand. I've just been writing picture books, stories, all that good stuff. Um, I was also really into art. So drawing, I was very much like a creative soul from the jump, but as most creatives know, when you're growing up, it's not really pushed on you to pursue those as careers. It's more like, Oh, it's great that you have that hobby, but what are you going to do for a job? So I went to university, uh, pursuing a kinesiology degree because I thought I would go into physical therapy. And within the first semester, basically I realized like I would rather be writing. And so I went into journalism, uh, founded a magazine my sophomore year of college. So I had a staff of 50. We did two print magazines every single year, 80 page spread, a ton of fun. I learned a lot about, I mean, writing, promoting, advertising, doing that earned me an apprenticeship with Meredith Corporation, which is, if you know, like Condé Nast, Meredith, like they are the biggest publishing houses in America. Um, And I'm sure it's been so long, but I think they're global. So like better homes and gardens, shape magazine, things of that nature. I worked in the fitness and health department. And basically that's when I fell more in love with storytelling, which is why I write the way I do. But in doing that, I realized it was not going to be lucrative in any way, shape or form. You do not get paid well in magazine. So I knew I wanted to be a writer, but not in that form. Went into corporate marketing once again, realized after about a year and a half, this was not creative enough for me. And that's when I got into content writing. So blogs, social media, et cetera. And honestly, I didn't even know what the term copywriting meant at the time. I knew like what it meant to be a copy editor from being in the magazine world, but, uh, and I could have put two and two together, but I just didn't use the word copywriting in a regular basis. Right. And one of my content clients basically reached out five years ago, six years ago at this point, um, and said, Hey, can you write my sales page for this big program I'm putting out? And I had, I said, yes. And then I went home and Googled, what is a sales page and promptly wrote her one. She ended up having like, I think that launch, I mean, it was multiple hundreds of thousands, I think like three or 400 K in that launch. And so she utilized me for every launch thereafter. And I realized how copywriting was the perfect mixture of my magazine background and my marketing background and just didn't, didn't look back. And you love it now. I love it. It's, it's great. I think what I love about it is because of my background, I do things slightly differently than a lot of people who are like, quote unquote, traditionally trained. I didn't get a marketing degree, right? I got a journalism degree. So I learned how to tell compelling stories instead of how to write how a marketer thinks, if that makes sense. So naturally my copy doesn't sound salesy, but because it's really like emotional and story driven, it sells really well. And so it's been cool to kind of combine everything I love about writing, um, and be different than a lot of the people in this space. So there's definitely a certain type of 
brand and business owner who's attracted to the way I write. Um, and so it's really fun to work with them. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I've noticed about like all of the kinds of things that you share, like on your social media, and even in the examples that I've seen, um, of, um, in your templates and like some of the other like brands that I know you've worked with, um, you're really good at, I would say even just for your stuff, you're really good at having your personality come through. And obviously I think that's why I like resonate with your content is because I feel like I have a similar personality personality to you. So I kind of stick around. You're really, really good at doing that. So like, what can you share? Do you, do you have, do you know how it's done or is this like you're unconscious of how you do it. You're just so good at, you don't even know how you do it. Like, is there anything you can share on how we can let our personality show through? Yeah. Well, I do think there's a little bit of a, I'm a naturally outgoing open book person. So I have just personally never felt the need to kind of like dampen my personality or like put a box around it a little bit. So I do think there's a small slice of it. That is, it just comes naturally to me. And then I attract others who want that. So then it comes naturally to writing their copy when I'm writing copy for a client. But I think a couple of tips. So after you write something, whether it's an Instagram post, it's an email, it's a sales page, it's your web copy read it out loud to somebody who knows you really well. And if like, for instance, I might read it to my partner, Evan. And if Evan looks at me and is like, you don't talk like that, who, who is that? That does not sound like you. I know that I missed something. Um, so that's tip number one. Tip number two is creating what I call a copy word bank. So we all have little things that we say, naturally, right? When we first get on Instagram stories, when we sign off on an email, when we're describing something to a friend, whether we know it or not, we use repeatedly some of the same words and phrases. And so having a document where you're putting your own words and phrases on it to kind of remind yourself of like, what do I sound like when I'm excited? How do I sign off on emails can be really helpful because what happens is when we go to write something that we feel is really important, like a sales page, which is really important, our brain goes, I have to get this right. And most of the time when people think I have to get this right and it comes to copy, their brain thinks I have to sound professional, which comes out corporate which for the majority of brands in our space, that's not how they want to sound. So if you can pull out your copy word bank then and be like, oh, I don't say that. I don't say something that bland. And you can kind of weave some of your own words and phrases into it. That can be a really good way to just make sure that your personality is at least present. And then I would just the first time through when writing a draft, don't limit yourself. Don't worry about the sentence structure. Don't worry about using the proper wording. Don't worry about formatting. Don't worry about anything. Write what you want to say. And then through the editing process, you can go back and make sure it flows correctly, is formatted nicely. But I think People just get really nervous, like I said previously, when they're writing the copy. And so they limit themselves. And what happens is your personality is not there. So the first time you're writing something, your first draft, no limits. Just write what you want to say, let your brain get down on the paper, and then you can go back and kind of carve out the final product later. I think what's really important about what you just said was write what you want to say. I think a lot of people, when they're writing copy for their website or social or emails, write what they think people want to hear. And it's what they think what people want to hear, not even what 
like people have told them they right. want to hear. So I think that's a really important point and like something, a good reminder for me to write what you want to say. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there is a piece of it. I'm sure there's some like branding experts and copywriters listening to this that are cringing, like, no, it does matter what people want to hear. Often though, like, especially when we're talking about web copy or Instagram posts, like people fall in love with your brand because of the personality behind it, because of what you have to say. And so often what people want to hear is the same thing as what you want to say. And unless you have like extensive market research to say otherwise, I would just trust your gut a lot of the times. And if you're wrong, you'll be able to figure that out too and adjust. Mm -hmm. And you can only figure it out when you do it. Like trying by example, trying by Learning by example, right? Learning by, no. Oh my God, total brain fart. Like what even was I trying to say there? Figuring, finding the answer by actually trying something, taking action. Let's go with that. That's what I wanted to say. That's what we were looking for. Oh my gosh, it's been a long day. Um, Okay, I would love to know what your favorite kind of copy to write is. Do you have like, do you love sales pages? Do you love about pages? It's- Okay. So for a long time, it was sales pages because they're so focused. There's like literally one goal. Um, and you can tell a really nice story on a sales page. My answer currently is it genuinely depends on the client. So I've had some clients who have just really cool background stories and really cool. How I got here stories writing their about pages and their websites incredible. I have so much fun because one thing I do miss from the journalism world is writing profiles, which is essentially like a longer article that's profiling a person. And you really can like dig in and uncover their story, what it means to the reader, why we should care. And so when I meet somebody who has a really interesting backstory, it can be a ton of fun to write their about pages. Um, I like websites no matter what. I I really love writing websites because there's some moving parts. I typically am working with very talented designers. So it's fun to see your words end up on a beautifully designed site. Um, But I also love writing emails. I don't know. I love it all. I just love writing. Uh, But right now I would say web copy is probably leading. Okay. And when you are creating web copy, you say, you said that you, it depends on the client because you can get their stories and hear their background and stuff like that. How do you, what's your process for getting these stories out of your clients? Cause like, I know for me, when I go to write something, I'm like, I don't even know what to write. Like, I don't have a good story and I don't have anything right. to say. Um, so what's your your process for helping extract those stories from your clients? Right. So I'll preface it by saying I am somebody who will ask questions that other people probably wouldn't. I typically warn people like, hey, I'm pretty upfront. I'm pretty blunt. I might ask some things that surprise you that I have like, the balls for lack of a better word to ask. Um, so start with that. I just, if if you don't ask, you will never find out. And so I will ask the tough questions. I do think my background in journalism has helped because when you're on the phone, like I was interviewing leading members of the FDA, right? They don't have all day. They're not trying to sit and talk to me for an hour. I have like 20 minutes to extract enough information to write an article. So you get really good at asking questions that will lead people to talking more. 
Um, when you ask a question, allowing the silence to exist afterward is really powerful. People will fill the silence. If you are uncomfortable with the silence, odds are they're uncomfortable too. If you can hold out longer than they will, they will just start spewing and you'll just start learning some things. But from a, from an actual copywriter side, my process is you'll get questionnaires. So you get an overarching brand questionnaire and then a project specific questionnaire. So if we're doing a sales page, I'm going to send you a follow-up questionnaire about whatever the heck we're promoting on that sales page, right? But the brand questionnaire is really where I'm learning about your story, how you got here, your clients, all of that good stuff. I spend, I mean, endless amount of time stalking every single thing my clients have done online. I will Google your name. I will read all of your Instagram posts. I will find out, do you have a TikTok? I will ask you to send me your email funnels that have worked well. Do you have a blog? I will have read it if it exists. Did you have a blog in high school? I found it. Like I will do everything to feel like I know everything about you. And then we will have a strategy call before I start any projects. And I then ask the questions that are harder to answer in written form, right? So that's when I'll kind of ask those probing questions to dig a little bit deeper. I'm pretty good at this point at picking up on little things somebody says and knowing like, ooh, there's something more there. And then taking that and being like, let's peel back the layer on this and see kind of what's going on behind the scenes there. So it's really this, there's a ton of moving parts, but I basically just try to know you as well as you know yourself. That's so fun getting to know so many people at such so a deep level. Yes, it really, it's, I think the hardest part is I've been like incredibly, I don't know if lucky is the right word, but I'm going to use it lucky to have the clients I've had over the past five or six years. The hard part is then I like want to be everyone's friend. I'm like, Oh, you're amazing. Like I, I know so much about you now. I like want to be your friend. I tell people I'm like a word therapist because I genuinely feel like a therapist when I'm on these calls with people, not in a trauma dumping way, but in like a really getting to know you, asking these questions, figuring out why you are the way you are. Why do you think the way you think? And I can only assume that some of our therapists, right. Are sitting there going, Oh, if it weren't for this professional relationship, I would totally be that girl's friend. And that's like how I feel about so many of my clients. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So I want to dive into sales pages a little bit because I think that's like one of the biggest things that like, especially my listeners, coaches, right. And I am the kind of person who likes to learn how to do things first before I go and have someone else do the thing for me. Um, And I'm sure a lot of people do too, especially when coaches are starting out, they're like writing their sales pages themselves. Um, Is there anything that you have noticed um, on a sales page that like does really well, or maybe something that most people miss? Um, that can help them stand out or maybe something that they're kind of doing wrong in air quotes here. Um, yeah. Something that could be improved that you see like a lot of people doing. Oh, so many things. Um, (laughs) number one would be this myth that sales pages are supposed to be like 20 scrolls long. They do not have to be that long. Your sales page, you should have a primary purpose And once you meet that purpose, we're done here. We do not need to fill with a ton of content, with a ton of filler words, things like that. Um, 
not making your CTA buttons big, bold, unmissable, and often throughout the page and putting a box around them. So I did some research about like two years ago and I studied through like a website um, analytics tracker where you can see what people are doing on the page. Like it'll literally show you where their mouse is going. And I basically wanted to see when you have a button and you just put a color behind it or you underline it or you put an arrow saying, click this versus when you put a box around it and make it look like a button, will people click that more? And the research was like abundantly clear. It needs a box. It needs to be, it cannot be confused for anything else. You can underline something and people are clicking all over the place. They have no clue. Um, and when I say often, I mean like multiple sections of your sales page needs to have a CTA button. I've looked at a few sales pages where I have to scroll past the first, second, and third folds, which just means like screen worth of copy before I can find a button to opt in and I'm out, I'm gone. I'm not searching your page for it. It's not going to happen. Um, too cluttered. I see sales pages. If it's visually overwhelming, even if the copy is amazing, I'm not reading it. If it feels like a pain to read, I'm not doing it. So that's more of like a design thing. And then I guess I'll just give one more, not utilizing headers and subheads effectively. People need to be able to scan your sales page. And it's unrealistic to think that every single buyer type, every single audience member is going to read sales pages from start to finish every word. People are scanning. They're standing in the line at Starbucks and they're seeing your post on Instagram, going to the sales page. And within 45 seconds, trying to figure out if this program is relevant to them. If your headers are not so straightforward and obvious, like what's included, your modules, FAQs, it's really hard for them to scan and they're going to spend a bulk of that 45 seconds trying to find the sections relevant to them instead of reading the sections relevant to them. So that's like a really big one that can make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Those are all really, really good. The first one that you said there, um, that sales pages don't have to be super long. I can like totally agree with that. I did a, a sales, I mean, it was a sales call, so I don't know why I'm doing air quotes, but I'm saying this because like, I didn't like it. Um, but a sales course a few years ago now, um, and the format for structuring the sales page was like so long. It was so long. I had so many things to write about that I like just didn't do it. Mm -hmm. um, and you also said like it, your sales page has one purpose. So is this purpose different for each thing? Because obviously like the end goal is to make sales, right? But I'm guessing like for different people, your your clients, your customers are going to have different questions. So then are you kind of shifting the purpose a little bit of the sales page? Like for me, people need to know what NLP and hypnosis is. So part of my purpose is to kind of say, here's what NLP and hypnosis is. And it has to be like a little bit educating. Um, and then also like, selling. Mm -hmm. Do you notice that it kind of has to shift depending on what the person coming to the page needs to know? So when I say primary purpose, I mean, essentially getting them to opt in. And so some people you can opt in immediately purchase the thing for other clients. You have to apply for other clients. You have to get on a 30 minute sales call with them. That's more what I'm meaning. It's a good point that you're saying, education belongs on a sales page because I completely agree. So like 40% of the clients I work with or have worked with the past about year and a half come from the adventure eloping 
field, which is a rather new up and coming field of photography. And People still associate the word elope with running away, getting married behind your parents' back, going to Las Vegas and getting married, going to the courthouse, getting married on the steps. That is no longer what eloping means. And so when we're doing sales pages for them, we often have to have a section that's like, what is adventure eloping? What is not adventure eloping? Or like what it doesn't mean or myths or whatever. So that's kind of more that's not necessarily the purpose of the page or the goal of the page is to get people to opt in, but like a secondary purpose is to educate people on the thing that you're selling, right? Especially if it's uncommon. So, or kind of on the fringes of what most people would know, like hypnosis. Most people know they don't need you to define hypnosis. They're like, yeah, I know what that means, but they might need you to educate them on like, Hey, it's actually not just a fun party trick that you do at your high school prom. Like it can be really effective for this, this, and this here's some research to back it up. That also does belong on a sales page. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I'm glad you clarified those different points. Cause I totally didn't, it didn't even cross my mind that some people like have people sign up straight away. And sometimes it is an application and and stuff like that. So that's a really good point. Okay. I want to do like a little mm, experiment. We'll call it that. Okay. Let's set the scene. You have found a a website and Mm -hmm. um, you're on the homepage and you find something that says like, we have this offer and you're like, Hmm, that I, I I might like that. I'm going to click on the sales page and find out what this is. So you click on the page and the page pops up and you start scrolling a little bit. What's the first thing that comes up for you that you're like, oh, I'm clicking out. You're closing the tab. What's the first thing that'll make you close the tab on that sales page? Really obvious sales tactics. Like Mm -hmm. if you are using scarcity, if you are using, if I can tell that you follow some sales coach on Instagram and she told you to say this and this to your clients to scare them or to guilt them or to shame them into needing your offer. I am vomiting on site and I'm leaving. I am, I, it, I cannot tell you enough, like, or the people who take picking at pain points to like next level. And I'm reading it and I'm like, so your entire goal is to make somebody feel so bad about their situation and so desperate that they will skip rent this month so that they can afford your astronomically priced program that you actually just did the thing a few months ago. And now you're all of a sudden selling it. Like there are so many different things that as a copywriter and just as a marketer and human being, drive me nuts. Uh, but number one being obvious, 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 gross sales tactics. Yeah. I could not agree more. That's how I was taught to do sales pages. I remember a few years ago, I was it like, Oh gosh, this was actually a really long time ago. Um, I was doing a webinar. I was like attending a webinar and the person was selling, I don't know. I can't even remember what it was, but the point of it was, she's like, you've got to pick at the pain points. You've got to really dig in there really deep. And straight away from that, I was like, "Mm, I don't know. That doesn't feel good to me. I don't, I don't want to do that. And something that I've noticed is the more that you pick at pain points, the more you're going to attract the type of person who is like desperate for a a change. They're desperate for anything, but they might not even be in the right place mentally, emotionally, financially to actually take part in that program. But you've kind of guilted and shamed them so much 
that they're like, oh, this is my only option um, when it might not even be the best option for them. Right. What I, how I usually phrase it is just because a sales tactic works does not mean it's going to align with your ethics as a business owner. If you are somebody who genuinely at the end of the day, your only goal is to make money. Okay. Go for it. You don't care how you make people feel. You don't care what people have to sacrifice to work with you. That's a you thing. Um, go for it. But if at the end of the day, you want to be a good person, you want to have ethics and sound moral values. Think about why the tactics you're using work. This is one thing that, I mean, salespeople all over the world right now are cringing. That bothers me about sales is these tactics do work. That is why they are promoted. But my thing is, I always ask people, why are you okay with that working? Like, why are you proud of that? Because like I said, a lot of these women I've worked with are coming to me similar to you. They attended a webinar. They were in this coach's mastermind. They did X, Y, and Z. And they're like, well, she told me to do this. And I'm like, she told you to do that because it worked on you. And she just made hundred K this month because she guilted enough use into giving her money. And then now you're so desperate to refill your bank account that you're going to do the same thing she did. And we're just going to create this cycle of gross sales tactics. Like you said, making people feel so desperate that they'll give you money. Well, now you need to find somebody who's desperate enough to give you money. And then they need to like, there's other ways. There are other ways. I mean, Mm -hmm. I like to think of the different, like we look at the beauty industry, right? Imagine your favorite makeup brand, like their entire advertising campaign was just making you feel so ugly that you were like, oh my God, I immediately need to go get this makeup because I cannot leave my house. This is embarrassing. I'm ugly. Instead, they talk about what I like to say, pleasure points. They talk about feeling confident. They talk about, look how beautiful this is going to look on your skin when you're on vacation. They talk about, it's not heavy makeup because we know you have a ton of stuff to do because you're a badass working woman and you've got to keep your lipstick on all day, right? They instead of picking up pain points, they're highlighting pleasure points. And that is so much more effective, in my opinion, for the right type of consumer. And you get to feel good about your sales as a business owner. So when you say pleasure points, are you saying, um, like, talk about the, the benefits of that someone will experience after they have signed up for your thing, taken your cause, done your thing? Right. So it's like talking about the benefits. It's talking about what they desire and what they want instead of like what's bothering them right now. And there is also definitely a place for pain points. You get to say like, are you ready to be done with X, Y, and Z? Are you tired of ABC without making somebody feel really crappy about their situation? We get to acknowledge that there are hard things, right? We, we're not going to pretend like it's all sunshine and rainbows. Like for me, I get to say like, after you've already made this great program, I know how exhausting it is to now have to write an eight part email sequence and a sales page and you're tired and you're staying up all night. Like those are pain points. And I get to say, I see you, I'm going to go ahead and take that off your plate, but I'm not like, doesn't it suck that when you write your own emails, nobody buys because your copy is crap. Like there's just a difference. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think, um, switching to the pleasure points. And I feel like I've noticed more people doing this. Um, what I 
also have noticed is, um, and this is not a new thing that I've noticed, but people focusing on the pleasure points that are maybe, um, what's the word? Like ideas, like almost like they're selling an idea of something rather than, and I'm told this is where I'm, uh, this isn't a good thing. Like what I'm trying to say here. I didn't even know my words. Like need to breathe for a second so I can get my, what, this is my second interview today. So I'm like, you're, yeah, you're doing I'm, wonderful. Thank you. I'm low on words today. Um, but basically what I'm trying to say is I've seen people in their marketing say like, um, you're going to live your dream life and it's going to be so amazing. And, um, you're just going to be able to have your laptop on a beach. And so I think there's a difference between like pleasure points of like that are, uh, I don't even know what the word is genuine and but the other ones aren't even in genuine. So I don't know, but I think maybe I'm clear in what I'm concrete. No, I think also concrete. And I call that, Oh, I say this with love. I call it very like MLME. Oh my God. Um, Okay. Yes. Yes. I'm yes. And, and I want to say I have friends and family members whom I love and adore who genuinely stand by the products they're selling. I do. I'm not crapping on the network marketing industry as a whole, what they teach you to say, the scripts they give you. It's so, it's like, um, certain horoscopes you get right where it's so broad and you're like, Oh my God, that totally applies to me. The horoscope said, have you been dealing with something hard lately? Like, and you're like, I totally have like, so obviously when somebody's like, wouldn't you love to literally not work at all? And you just sit on the Caribbean beach and sip cocktails. Like who's going to be like, no, no, absolutely not. I am trying to be poor and stay home. Like no one thinks that way. So that marketing, what I say is you're saying a whole lot of nothing. Like you are saying nothing and it works. I, I don't know how it works. It's very like, I know how it works. The desperate, I think it's reaching out to the same type of people who are just like, okay, yeah, that's what I want. We were taught in my NLP training. Um, So I learned NLP from people, some people who were good. And I also learned NLP from from some people who like I later learned were not great. Um, It doesn't change the tools, but it just changed the intention of like the intention behind the people that were teaching it were not good. But what they taught us is that when you're so vague, what actually happens is people start filling in the gaps that you've created with their own stories. So even though it's super vague, they will, you leave so much room for people to make their own story about what you're saying. And it'll be so applicable to them that they'll think you've said it. And like, that's what yeah. your thing is promising and going to bring them, even though they created that themselves. Right. So this is one of those examples of it might work, but are you okay with that being the reason it worked? Mm -hmm. It's like with Nike, how they say their, their slogan is just do it. Like just do what, but, and each individual person is going to make up what that means for themselves. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. When you said MLM, I'm like, yes, that is the exact kind of thing that I'm thinking of. And a lot of it is like, get rich, get rich, make so much money, make money. Retire your husband. No, I don't even like my boyfriend, like working in the same space as me. Like, why would I want to retire him? Why would I retire him? No. Um, (laughs) Okay, cool. Final, final question. Maybe we'll see. Um, But writer's block. I know like one of the things, and your resources actually really helped me with this, but 
writer's block is huge. Like if I'm sitting in front of the page, like, how do you, how do you not let that happen? Like, what's your, your tools, your skills, your techniques for that? I'm like, not a great person to ask. Um, (laughs) Knock on wood. I don't get writer's block. Okay. Unless what I get is how do I say that in a better way? So Mm -hmm. like, I don't have writer's block on what do I say, but I'll be like, Oh, I need to say that better. And I don't know how, what I tell people is like, if you are not feeling motivated and inspired in this moment, stop trying to force it. Like literally stop doing it. Don't, don't be like, just because you said today, I'm getting this email done. If you go to write the email and you're like, I this is not it. I cannot write. My brain's not functioning. Stop writing that email. Like, why do you want to send out what's ultimately going to be not your best work anyway? So give yourself, I guess, step one would be don't procrastinate. Give yourself enough time that if you're going to have writer's block on a day, it's fine. You're still going to meet your deadline. Number two, go do something that's inspiring for me. Like once again, it comes down to the client. I was just doing web copy for um, a wedding photographer out of Texas, and she's very whimsical and poetic and lyrical. So I literally got out one of my poetry books and I read it. And I was like, how do they piece together sentences? What are some fun words that sound lyrical when you read them? And I literally wrote them in a document. And I was like, cool, I'm going to try and do the same type of thing in her web copy because that is her vibe. Um, if I'm writing something for, you know, a totally different industry, I might spend some time on brands from that industry just to see what they're doing. And that can help you. Or I might go on a walk, listen to a podcast, put on music, take a nap. I think writer's block happens either a, it happens and it's an excuse. You're just like, I don't feel like doing this. So I quote unquote have writer's block or B you're just like not in the right headspace to do that thing. And that's okay. You don't have, you're not going to be all of the time. I love the days where I have no active drafting going on and I'm doing admin tasks and I'm writing my social media captions and I'm replying to DMS. Those days are so refreshing. If every single day I had to write like a whole website, I I would get writer's block too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good tips. I love that one about going into the poetry book and like just looking at that. That's so good. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit now about your resources. Cause like I said, I have, oh my gosh, I can't even remember what ones I bought. I definitely have the Facebook ads generator <laughs> and I have um, the launch email sequence. Yep. Um, love them. I love them. Yeah. Um, so can you tell people like a little bit about what they are? Yeah. So I got to a point, probably, I think I made my first resource about like two and a half, three years ago. And I genuinely made them because I was, my client roster was so full. I was turning people away and I just felt bad. And I was like, I need to offer them a different solution. And so I spent a lot of time trying to see if anybody else was making the types of templates I wanted to make. I couldn't find any that I loved. And I was like, Oh, this means I have to make them. So, which turned into, I love it. It's now fun. But at the time it wasn't like, I didn't have this moment of, Oh, I want to go passive. Like I think a lot of people do. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. For me, it was more like I'm turning people away and I feel like I'm failing them. And so my templates, like you said, so there's email ones. I do have a sales page one ads. I'm currently in the process of finishing a web copy one. What I try to do is number one, they're all very customizable. So one of the biggest issues I take with the templates that are out there is no matter who uses them, they're going to sound so similar. 
Mine, I try to give multiple different prompts. Some have completely just like different brand voice options. A lot of them are fill in the blank Mad Lib style. Um, I write them so that you can switch it up. You can edit them, whatever you need to do to make them sound like you. Uh, but I try to also provide some thought process, like explanation of why we're doing this, why this email comes before this email, when to send this email, here's some subject line options. But really the whole goal of them is that 90% of what you need to do is already done for you. You're just filling in some blanks. You're going to save a ton of time, a ton of money. And it's a lot better than just trying to DIY the copy by yourself. And the reason, I mean, the biggest reason for that is everything that I create has the strategy that I use with one-on-one -on -one clients underneath it, right? That's the foundation. So as opposed to you, somebody, not you, but like you personally listening to this, um, trying to just DIY your email sequence and being like, what should go in the first one? What should go in the second? You know, what should go in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and it's not like a guessing game. The strategies that I've tested, used, helped people make tons of sales, tons of impact is going to be woven throughout all of the templates. Yes, so true. And I love with your templates, um, like I don't get writer's block because I know exactly where to start. And you also give options of like, okay, here's one way you could say this and like, here's another way. So choose which option would work best for you. So I feel like I'm able to speak, um, like share things in the way that I would speak, put my personality into it. So I, like I said, love using your templates, not an ad, um, but yeah, I would love, like uh, everyone who's listening, if you are unsure or if you need help with copy, anything like that, I'll leave all the links in the description. Um, also apologies if you could hear my dog barking. I've literally locked him in the room um, and he's, not happy about I'm it. Happy. He's upset. Yeah. Mom. He wants to come and hang out. Um, but thank you so much for sharing your time. Um, can you let everyone know where they can find you? Yes. Thank you for having me. So revealstudio.co on Instagram and then just revealstudio.com online. <laughs> and my shop is linked there too. I love it. Thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. Yes. Thank you for having me. Have a beautiful day.